Chapter 30 Jake Cassie stood roaring over the fallen Triceratops. She was the only one still caught up in the Tyrannosaurus's mind. It scared me. It scared me for her. She hadn't wanted to do this morph, and now it had seized control of her. Gentle Cassie was trapped in the mind of a killer. She swung her head around and glared at me, eyes mad with rage. What do we do? Rachel demanded. She was scared too. It scared me all over again, knowing that Rachel was scared. Rachel doesn't scare easily. Cassie! Marco yelled. Snap out of it! Cassie hunched over the triceratops and began chowing down. It was an unbelievably gross scene. The sun was just coming up, and there in the pink glow, a creature as tall as a tree was devouring a creature the size of an elephant. I took a step forward on my massive clawed feet. Cassie spun her head around and bellowed a threat. Stay away! It's mine! Jake, you have to stay back! Tobias said. You are invading her territory. That's her prey. She'll have no choice but to defend it. She'll annihilate you. No, she might annihilate this Tyrannosaurus morph, I said. But she would never hurt me. I knew what I had to do. I began to demorph. Prince Jake, that is foolish. You will look like another prey animal to her. No, she won't hurt me. She'll recognize me. I was shrinking already. Jake, look. Marco said. You may be exaggerating your charm, you know? And if she goes for you, that means we have to try and stop her. I hesitated. Marco was right. What if Cassie attacked? But I continued demorphing, shrinking, growing smaller and weaker all the time. The three tyrannosaurs loomed larger and larger above me. They looked to me like Tobias must look to a mouse. Even the triceratops seemed as vast as a beached whale. Cassie watched me, curious. Her forward-looking yellow eyes glanced at me, then at her kill, then belligerently at the other dinosaurs. And then, slowly, slowly, as my own flesh emerged, as my hands grew human fingers, as my face flattened and hair grew and toes replaced claws, she blinked. Oh my god, what have I done? She asked. She backed away from the Triceratops. It's okay, Cassie, I said. It was just a dinosaur. It was all I could think of to say. I knew it wouldn't help. You can't say just an animal to Cassie. You got caught up in the morph, Rachel said. It happens. All four of you did it. Oh my god! Cassie cried in horror. Cassie, look, it's not your fault, Rachel said. It was the Tyrannosaurus. It was just being itself, you know? I told you guys I didn't want to do this morph! Cassie yelled. She began demorphing, but at the same time, I was returning to the Tyrannosaurus morph. Cassie, you have to stay and morph, I said. We have a mission. No! I don't have to be this... this... killer! Yes, you do, because we need to go kick some butt on these space aliens, alright? Marco said. Cassie, come on, Rachel said. We need you. I destroyed a living creature, 
A fantastic living creature! Cassie mourned. Cassie, get over it! This is the Lake Crustaceous, according to Bird Boy here. Marco said coldly. There are no humans. No human civilization. No human morality or religion or philosophy. This is hardcore nature. We're down to survival here. Survival. That's all that counts. Surviving and getting home, Rachel amended. There are humans here, Cassie said. Us. We are human civilization. We have all that stuff inside us. It doesn't matter what year it is. Okay, you're right. Marco snapped. It doesn't matter. If this were 1998, or 2000, or 2121, it would still come down to surviving. And when it's down to kill or be killed, all that morality and guilt and all is crap. Cassie stopped morphing. For a while, no one said anything. Then, at last, Cassie said, You know something, Marco? You're my friend. I'd do almost anything for you. But you're wrong. Yeah, we're just animals ourselves. But we're the animals who can think. We're the animals who can imagine something better than kill or be killed. I don't think predators are immoral. I'm not an idiot, whatever you may think. But I'm a human, okay? And I have to think and care. I have to feel things. Otherwise, I might as well be some gangbanger or a Nazi or... or... A yerk. Axe supplied. I had finished morphing back to Tyrannosaurus. I waited for Marco to toss out some clever comeback. It never came. Instead, as we once again headed for the nest camp, I heard him whisper so that no one but me could hear. You know, Jake, I see why you like that girl. Chapter 31 Axe The sun had fully risen by the time we arrived at the Nesk base. It was near the lowest slopes of the volcano, at a place where a rushing stream came down through the pockmarked grey rocks and gave rise to sparse vegetation. It was very obviously a military base, not like the peaceful agricultural town the Mercora had built. There were perimeter defenses in the form of robot towers, 30 feet tall. The towers bristled with several different types of energy weapons. I could see that widely differing technologies were in use. Obviously, the Mercora were correct. The Nesk were scavengers. They had stolen these weapons from a variety of races. The same was true of the spacecraft parked within the camp. There were two of the small pyramidal ships Rachel and Tobias had described, but there was also a ship in the more classic airfoil design, as well as a very odd oval-shaped craft. There were little obvious activity within the camp, but then the Nesk are a strange race, essentially social insects with the ability to unite and cooperate to a stunning degree. The bodies they formed were only assembled in order to operate the weapons and ships they had stolen. The rest of the time, I assumed, they remained as insects. Okay, everyone keep moving forward. Casual. Like we're all out for a nice morning walk. Axe, what do you make of it? Prince Jake asked. I think the Mercora were correct, and the Nest have no interest in dinosaurs. I said. Those two creatures over there may have walked right through the base, 
judging by their present locations. Iguanodons, Tobias said. Do you see the mound? Cassie asked. Looks like a dirt pile, except it's so tall and narrow. That may be their mound, like a termite mound. That's where their queen will be. I had seen the mound, but I hadn't paid it any attention. Now I looked closer. The mound is defended. Motion detectors tied to what are probably stun weapons. Dinosaurs may travel freely through the base, but the nests protect their mound. So where do we find these alleged nukes? Rachel asked impatiently. Warehouses or storage rooms over there, Marco said. Three of them in a row. If it were me, I'd put my most valuable stuff in the middle one. It's more protected. On the other hand, I don't see any guards. I agree, I said. But there are probably thousands of guards. Remember, the nest will only assemble into a larger creature if they have to hold weapons. But the individual insects are everywhere throughout the camp. Okay, Prince Jake said. Here's what we do. Axe and Rachel, head straight for the center warehouse. Axe to point out a nuke. Rachel to grab it, because those Deinonychus hands work better than the big Rexes. Marco and Tobias flank to the left. Me and Cassie to the right. We rip open that storeroom, get what we came for, and head for the trees over there. I felt nervous. Not about possible battle. Well, yes, about that too. But mostly, I felt nervous about identifying the nuke. Explosive weapons come in thousands of different shapes and sizes. Some are as big as human automobiles. Most are much smaller. Andalite explosive weapons are usually no bigger than a human baseball. Ready? Prince Jake asked. Been ready, Rachel grumbled. Okay, everyone just keep moving like we're dinosaurs. Which, thanks to the fact that our lives are totally, completely insane, we actually are, Marco said. I mean, does anyone else think it's just plain weird that we're dinosaurs getting ready to steal a nuclear weapon from a bunch of ant-like aliens 65 million years before the first human being ever said, Hey, I know what, let's try cooking the meat this time. Does anyone else find this slightly nuts? Nope, Rachel said. We advanced on the base, not exactly stealthily. There was a definite impact sound each time my Tyrannosaurus foot hit the ground. I focused on the center storeroom. I glanced over to the trees. The Nesk ships would have a hard time following us through the trees, but getting to them would be difficult, especially if it took me a while to find what we were after. The base seemed empty, deserted. But when I focused my Tyrannosaurus eyes, I could see narrow columns of the ant-like creatures spreading out like a web across the entire area. When I lowered my foot near one of the columns, it simply swerved aside. We passed closer to the small oval ship. It was perhaps twice the size of an antelite fighter, but it was made up of three interlocking oval tubes. I wish I had time to study it. The storeroom, just ahead. It appeared to be built of crude material, 
but when I got closer, I could see that it was actually dirt. It had been built in just the same way as the mound, by the labor of millions of the tiny creatures. Then it had been covered in some sort of residue and polished till it was bright. A bizarre race, these nests, I said. They have stolen and made use of amazingly sophisticated technology. Yet, at the same time... A screaming siren. Flashing lights. The robot defense towers blazed with green and blue light. The spacecraft began to power up. The entire base was suddenly very alive. Very dangerously alive. A thought speak detector. I cried. They know the Mercura use thought speak, and they have a thought speak detector. What? Are you kidding? Mirko demanded. How is that even possible? Actually, our own Andalite scientists have been trying for years to develop such a system. It would work on the principle of Here they come! Cassie yelled. From the mound! Here they come! A red-black river of Nesk poured from the mound. More belched up from the ground beneath us. The soil was alive with them. Millions, millions of them. Let's do this, Rachel cried. I leapt toward the warehouse. I kicked with my powerful Tyrannosaurus leg and knocked a small hole in the walls. I kicked again. The hole grew only slightly. Marco, go help Axe, Prince Jake said. Soon, there were two Tyrannosaurus attacking the mud wall. This is so Godzilla, Marco said with a giddy laugh. After this, we head for Tokyo. Suddenly, the wall collapsed. I was inside. But I was too tall. My head emerged from the roof of the building. I would have to crumble the roof too. And each chunk of roof that fell hid more of the things inside the storeroom. Rachel vaulted past me and began digging through boxes and crates, the stolen remnants of a dozen alien civilizations. She used her claws to rip them open, scattering their contents, even as chunks of the roof fell on her. The ships are starting to get off the ground! Tobias yelled. Prince Jake, I said urgently. You can attack these ships more easily before they get in the air. Yeah, I thought of that. He said grimly. Axe, you and Rachel stay on it, man. Everyone else, let's see how much damage these dinos can do. Chapter 32 Tobias One minute, we were standing in a ghost town. The next minute, it was like being trapped in the middle of an out-of-control video arcade. Lights. Sirens. Spaceships powering up. The robot security tower shining broad-spectrum floodlights everywhere. And worst of all, millions of Nesk everywhere. But they hadn't attacked us. They haven't figured out it's us, I said. They don't know where the ThoughtSpeak is coming from. They haven't figured out it's coming from us. They will soon enough, Rachel said. Axe and I are ripping their building apart. They'll figure it out. That weird overlooking ship is powering up fastest, Jake said. Let's get it. 
three huge tyrannosaurs began stomping toward the ship. I ran ahead of them, faster and more agile in my Deinonychus morph. There wasn't much I could do to damage the ship, except... I leapt, landed on the outer oval, just as the ship began to rise from the ground. Crunch! My weight dipped the ship sideways, slamming the outer ring down into the dirt. And then... Wham! It was like having someone drop a horse on the other end of your seesaw. I flew through the air, cartwheeled, landed on my dinosaur butt, and rolled to my feet. Cassie had mimicked me. Only when she leaped, she leaped in a much, much larger way. Her massive tonnage ripped open the steel hull, crumpled it like aluminum foil, and flattened a segment of it in the dirt. Cool, she said. See, I don't mind stomping machines. Are you okay, Tobias? Well, my dignity is hurt, I said. That pyramid-looking ship over there. We turned and raced toward the second ship. Found one, Axe yelled suddenly. I don't know the yield, but it is definitely an explosive device. Then hold butt, Jake cried. Rachel, can you carry it? I already have it. Do we take out the pyramid ship or run? Cassie asked. Axe and Rachel, get that nuke out of here. The rest of us will stay and do some more damage. Maybe make it harder for them to come after us. I ran for the pyramid-shaped fighter, but the Nesk had figured out what was happening. They had made the mental breakthrough. It was the dinosaurs who had become their enemy. Once they figured that out, the Nesk got nasty. A bolt of energy from the nearest robot tower blew a hole in the ground right where I had been standing a split second earlier. I felt a jolt of pain. The back half of my left foot was burned off. I staggered on, but now the pyramid fighter was turning toward us, bringing its weapons to bear. I ran full at it, but the wound slowed me down. Jake passed me and bounded through the air, tons of muscle and bone becoming one big projectile. He hit the pyramid fighter just as the fighter fired. The fighter went rocketing sideways, out of control. And at that moment, a second robot tower fired. The energy weapon hit the fighter. It exploded, becoming a small sun of brilliant orange and yellow light. The impact hit me in the side. I was in the dirt before I knew what had happened. Up I jumped, but my leg was weak as the first injury drained its strength away. Stinging! The Nesk were all over me, biting, stinging, attacking in the most primitive way. It was really bizarre. The Nesk were frying everything in sight with highly advanced energy weapons, and at the same time, biting. Okay, that's it. Head for the trees, Jake yelled. He didn't have to tell me twice. I saw the tree line, illuminated by early dawn light and the brilliant explosions, and I moved out. Pain or no pain, I was running for cover. But then, my injured leg just stopped working. I was down. Two gigantic tyrannosaurs lumbered by overhead. I should cry out, tell them. But if I did, they'd die trying to save me. Like some foul-breathed savior, there came a massive, square head. Down it came, jaws open. The jaws closed gently around me. Seven-inch teeth cut into my skin, but it did not penetrate muscle. The tyrannosaurus lifted me up and up, and up. It jolted away. Each step shot pain through my body, but at least I was up off the ground, 
away from the nest. Let me know if I bite too hard, Cassie said. The ground beside me erupted. Cassie was carrying me so that I was looking back. I saw the second pyramid fighter rise up and open fire. Behind it came the other undamaged fighter. I twisted my head forward. A long, long way to the trees. And between me and the trees, one of the deadly robot towers. Cassie ran. The fighters came after us. No way. No way to make it. I'm going to contact the Makura, Ak said. I barely had time to think, what? When the tower opened fire. The others were all past the tower, but Cassie and I were trapped between the deadly fire from the tower and the advancing fighter. This doesn't look good, I said. No, it doesn't. Suddenly, Jake and Marco turned back. They came running at the tower from behind. The tower was 30 or 40 feet tall. The two tyrannosaurs slammed into a corner of its support beams. Crunch! The tower did not fall, but it did shake, and it sagged to one side, just enough that their next shot went wild. Jake and Marco slammed it again, and now Cassie and I were caught up with them. Cassie gave the supports a devastating kick. Slowly, slowly, then faster and faster, the robot tower began to fall. It fell like a redwood, straight down toward the Nesk Mound. It helped, but not enough. We'd been too slow. As we raced for the woods, the fighters closed in. There was no way to outrun them. No way to outmaneuver them. They had us cold. We were all going to die, 65 million years before any of us would be born. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. We have a lot of messages uh, and reviews today, and by that I mean three total, which is a lot for me. So let's just jump in and uh, get to those. Uh, Let's start with the review first. Uh, I got a review from uh, J.M. Harris, who only gave me four stars and in fact titled their uh, review, Four stars only. Says, I love this show, and it's a great way to revisit the series. Maybe it is just me, and I know the host is just doing his best, but the Marco narrative is cringe. It's like he's, it's like he channels a glass-pushing geek, and it just doesn't match the character. It's not so bad, but once you get to the Marco book, dot dot dot. And hey, uh, J.M. Harris, no offense taken here, I understand uh when when i came up with the voice i was like that is awfully nasally i don't know but um it it really is just sort of a limitation on my own vocal range and uh i get it uh fully within your rights to to not fully vibe with it um i don't know i thought he's like a short little dork that thinks he's cool i thought it, it in my mind it fits the character um as well as you know i can do a voice consistently uh i thought it worked but again uh thank you for the four stars that's still a very good rating i'm not mad at that at all uh thank you for your feedback i uh hope that it's not too unbearable for you and you can enjoy the rest of the podcast i also got uh, an email from casey that email is audiomorphscast at gmail.com uh that says hey man just wanted to say congrats on 200 episodes. I'm still listening on a weekly basis and really enjoying my Friday nights after my kid goes to bed. 
Nothing like a beer and some uh, nothing like a beer and some animorphs while sitting outside now that the weather is getting warm again. Keep up the good work, my dude. Thank you so much, Casey. I appreciate uh, the kind words. Thank you for congratulating me on 200 episodes. It's a lot. Uh, I I didn't really know where this was going to go when I started it, and I'm super proud of myself for still doing this. 200 episodes later, three, four years later, it's uh, really weird to me uh, in a good way. Uh, so thank you so much. We got one more uh, email from Ben. says... I loved Animorphs as a kid and have wanted to read the full series because I never did as a kid. I really appreciate the time you've taken to compile these episodes and read each book. Sincerely, Ben. Thank you so much, Ben. Ooh, that's a loud car outside my window. Uh, it is getting warm again, so my window's open for uh, these after-show notes. Um, and uh, long-time listeners will know how much I've struggled in the summer. But I am looking for a new place uh, soon, so maybe I will be able to move to a place that has AC. We'll see. But uh, thank you so much for the words, Ben. Thank you, Casey, and thank you, JM, uh, all for your feedback and kind words. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to leave me some feedback or kind words or what have you, you can do that uh, by the previously mentioned email, audiomorphscast at gmail.com, uh, through my website, theapodclips.com. That's theapodclips, like apocalypse, but with the D in the middle. Or uh, by Tumblr, audiomorphscast.tumblr.com and you can also as jm did leave a rating and review on apple podcasts i read those as well uh so any of those ways you can also tell a friend i wouldn't hear about that unless the friend then reached out to me and told me that you did that but uh that's another way to get the word out i guess uh let let the good people know um other than that i do not have a lot left uh for here uh, we are very quickly coming to the end of this book. Um, for me, that's a personally, that's a thank goodness because uh, I'm really looking forward to doing book 19. But um, I don't want to skimp out on on Megamorphs. We're gonna do it the justice it deserves. We're and we're we're gonna get there when we get there. So uh, keep on the lookout, uh, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>